welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast. I'm here with Max Gorn. My name's Alice Clements. Cambo might be joining us at some point. He's tied up at the Tasmanian AFL Tribunal uh, hearing. He's just laying down the hard law down there, making sure no one gets away with any uh, misconduct in the Tassie League, which I think wrapped up on the weekend. He had a, he had his grand final. Max, how are you traveling? It's been it's been a while since we touched base. A, a final series, the grand final's been run and won. What's what's been happening last month? It's always a grim grim tribunal. Four days post grand final for whoever is um is doing that. Uh, no, unfortunately, we went out uh, straight sets. Disappointing. Uh, two MCG finals against interstate teams, and to be fair, we ran into a pretty hot team, Sydney, at the time. But the Brisbane game was a bit of a letdown. In both games, were up by four or five goals um, early in the game, so it was flatly flatly way to finish the year, but. Um, yeah, we, it was a big campaign. If you mix all the all the seasons together, the last three, and you take it like there's been no sort of overseas trips. There's been training literally the day after grand final to get ready for the next year. And um, so it's been a really big campaign and we were probably a bit fatigued by the end of it. So uh, maybe those guys down the coast, the teams have a lot a lot of time off down in Geelong. They, um, they might have balanced it the best over the three years and um, they got the chocolates. Mm. Like what? What have you learned around? Because it's a big thing in cycling at the moment. Talking to all the athletes um, over the last month or so, everyone just seems to be cooked. Like it's it's the season just gets longer and longer. A lot of the athletes are in this kind of relegation battle, so the teams are racing them harder and harder. And mentally, physically, it seems like a, a lot of people are done. Like what 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 do you take in terms of? being able to deliver at the top end when you need to out of the last couple of years? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot. Um, especially like we were playing elimination finals from around 15 on almost. So like it was a really big anxiety campaign, like that, 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 that battle of that last eight, nine weeks. Um, and that was off the back of, like I said, of two and a half years of, of pretty solid work without really leaving our homes. Um so, I mean, what I took from it, um, we can learn a few things. Geelong do things extremely well for their older guys um, and they and they get that work-life balance completely um, the way the Geelong boys wanted and they use that coastal and farm life to their strength. And um, I'm not sure. I mean, we're going to get our three months now and finally we're allowed to go overseas and interstate. So maybe that will be the mental refresh that most people need. But um, certainly freshening up towards the end of the year it could be a smart little way. Is was last year a COVID thing, or why why didn't it happen last year? Last year was COVID as well. Last year we yeah. uh, we won the flag over in Perth, came back uh, a week after that, and Melbourne Melbourne was still in lockdown, so I came back to lockdown. Um, had about um, three or four weeks of lockdown. We started training pretty much straight away because the, unfortunately, when you win the grand final, is you're behind the eight ball for the next year. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah the borders didn't open until once we were back at training, so that wasn't going to work. We're like around like 15, 16 ish. Were you starting to feel the pinch physically or like when did it, when did it kick in that things were like starting to tire within your body, the team and the the general feel of the squad? Physically, I had a, I had a rough year of my hips, to be honest. Um, I had a bit of a sore hip throughout the whole year that got worse and worse as the year went on to a point where the finals had sort of climax. Um, I actually was out of the game for the semifinal the day before. 
Um, I didn't really train all week and they, I went up to Goody and said, I'm not going to be able to do anything on Friday night. And he said, all right, so they, we're going to debut the kid, Jacob Van Ruin, um, and play Luke one on the ruck. And then I went and did a 6 p.m. late night fitness <laughs> test after I did a couple of scans and drug tests, uh, drug taking. Um, and I all of a sudden felt unbelievable. I said, Goody, I think you might have to tell the kid he's not debuting. <laughs> Uh, but then I, I really only got for a half. The second half, I was pretty cooked in that Brisbane game. So hopefully some rest up for my hips and uh, maybe a bit of riding might help. Yeah. You been out on the bike? Went today. Went this morning, actually. Just did a little Arthur's climb. Um, there's nothing like an Arthur's seat climb to let you know how, you, how you're feeling post a three-week bender. Um, mm. So that was that was, that was was good. That was It was a bit of my slowest time ever. Um, but I felt like I blew the cobwebs out before I take me bike overseas and do some some of the famous climbs. The what 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 did you uh how did the celebrations go? What what did you and the boys get up to? How do you how do you say, how do you plan that? Like with you being such a focus of Melbourne and the city and how, like how how does that even how do you even manage that? The boys over here just go wherever and no one knows who they are. I say three week bender. I'm a dad who literally didn't didn't last till eight pm on any of the nights I went out. But um, the yeah, it, well, first of all, we want we were sort of not expecting. That's a word like we'll hedge in our bets that we we're going to be in a prelim at least. So it came a week early for us. Um, so there was no sort of planning on anything that we we're going to do um, in terms of having a drink or whatnot. So we just kept it low key. We kept it real low key. We went to places that we know. Um, there was our VFL team went and won a flag a week later. So we um, were sort of a split group for a bit. Um, and then we eventually had our Monday, our mad Monday, uh, post the VFL winning the flag, which is a really good touch because um, we brought all the Casey boys as well who uh, play VFL. So it was a good little spirit about the place um, after having a week of um, thinking the sun wouldn't come up. <laughs> like we... we- how like how gutted were you that week after the Brisbane game? Uh, I mean, the change rooms is pretty grim. Um, like I said, I, we all didn't think the sun would come up. There, there it was. It came up Saturday morning. But um, yeah, that was if you put it in a big picture, um, we were the home team um, against a side we've probably got the better of in that season with two games we played them. Um, they were travelling off a pretty tough win against Richmond. Uh, we just beat them two weeks before. They lost their full forward and their ruck just before the game. Like there was a lot in our favour, um, but the thing is, is, you can't, you can't. That's not footy. Like Brisbane turned up and they turned up really well. Their third quarter was almost the best footy we've had played against us. Um, so maybe we were caught on the hop a tiny bit. I don't think so. There wasn't much talk about that pre-game, but um, yeah, it was disappointing. We ran into a into a hot Brisbane third quarter. We let them play like that, but um, yeah. Uh, one more footy question. Um, otherwise, I'll just talk to you about AFL for the next hour. The, yep. As the captain, what what are you doing now in terms of rebuilding morale? Tough, tough end of the season. Like what what is your what does your role entail now as the captain, not just as the as the athlete? Uh, it was pretty clear from a lot of people I spoke to and hearing what the coaches spoke about from exit meetings is everyone needs a break. Um, the feeling that I just said about the long campaign came in at about 70% of the exit meetings. So um, 
it's pretty clear that everyone needs a break. So I'm going to try and stay off our WhatsApp. Um, that's impossible for some people. I mean, Christian Petraka will text every day in there, but um, I'll try and give people some space on the WhatsApp and let people travel and not follow up, not chase up. Um, go back to 10 years ago where you just uh, you just presume someone will be doing their running while they're chilling in Paris. Like, um, I feel like that's what we need this time around. And then we come back in December, um, January. Uh, you can't you can't win a flag in that sort of time. You can lose one, but you can't sort of win it. So you can come back into a good shape and then get started. Yeah. And you've been on the bike. It's part of your preseason. Yes, been on the bike. Uh, that, that was the first sort of day in the off-season. I have did a few during the year knowing I had a pretty big biking campaign coming up. Um, so I'm going, I'm going over to watch Lombardia. So we can give a little preview of that. Um, which is nine days away, 10 days away from uh, this airing, um, yep. which is exciting. I've never really, I mean, I've done a couple of Australian Herald Sun Tour races. I've never really made me way to a monument over in um, the middle of riding territory in Lombardia. Um, and then I'll, I'll ride the Stelvio the day before. So I'm not sure how I'm going to be feeling. And you've been doing a bit of work or are you just backing yourself in to get up the Stelvio? <laughs> uh, my history shows that I can get up a climb if I've done the work or not. How I feel during it might be a bit interesting, but um, off the back of a pretty like big campaign of running, I feel like I'll have that base level of fitness. It's just the bike. I had heavy legs today, but I rode 40 more, 50 more kilometers of what I'm going to do when I ride up Stelvio. I'm just riding up and down. That's what, 46K, mm. three hours on the bike. Hope, hopefully it won't be too bad. So you'll be in this right time zone for that. You're also in the right time zone for uh, the world on Sunday. Do you uh, yes. tune in from start to finish or what, what was the, the game plan? Uh, I actually had a birthday party. It's funny <laughs> that when it's on during the day, you've got stuff on during the day. So Kinda I understand hard, your it? problem. Right? Yeah. Um, but I managed to get there for any sort of action, which was good. Um, I was there just before the Remco break. Um, which was probably the right time to tune in because a lot of people would have even gone later than the Remco break and then missed when that happened. Um, so that was, it was good to see that. There's some, there's some interesting dynamics that have happened in the world. So like, I get Bel Belgium had this amazingly strong team with the best sprinter and then the best long distance racer in the peloton. But France did all the work. Like, what were they in both groups? They did all the work in Remco's group and they were doing all the work in the Peloton beforehand. And their best rider sat quietly the whole time, like Julian. So we'll get into the tactics more. But yes, I did I did watch it. Um, we'll run through the teams. I guess there's a few less teams we normally focus on when we look at the full a Grand Tour or a, a one-day classic. It's kind of like the, the big cycling nations come out to play. And France, number one on that list, they, like you mentioned, they had... An interesting race plan. Tommy Volker at the helm, and maybe had a bit of Tommy Volker about the way that they were approaching the race. Just going wild from the get go, putting guys up the road. But to your point, Max, I, the thing that just didn't make any sense is they kept riding in these groups when they had people in there. But Laporte was back in back in the bunch. Alaphilippe obviously wasn't quite where he was, and it's a strange, strange race from the Frenchies. Oh, they're four. They're, you'd say they're four tip top fit riders were Cosnefoir, uh, Laporte, Valentin Madoise, and you'd say a 90% Julian Alaphilippe. And they were all in the peloton. 
but yet they'll write in full gas for Remco for uh, Sivakov or Roman Bardet. And end up probably being Roman Bardet because Siv was in the real early break. Yeah. Um, it seemed a bit baffling. And then they wouldn't pace Van Art back. Laporte probably beats Van Art. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know. It just seemed weird from the team that um, was rolling with all the punches. They were basically setting up the day and then they, they stuffed it up. They let Remco go in. We, yeah, there... There is a slight asterisk over Laporte winning that bunch kick is because it came out in the media that uh, Van Aert and Pog said that they didn't even know that they were racing for medals, which is yeah. part of the strange thing about this event is that they don't have race radios. Every other race that I'll they tell who, do. I'll tell you who did know. Tratnik knew there was a medal, there was yeah. a medal there somewhere. <laughs> Your man. He, My boy Tratnik. So, yeah, Laporte, Laporte came home to clean up, clean up the bunch kick and you think, well, if they had have had men to use and he probably could have applied that similar logic when we get to Australia down the back end, um, it could have been a completely different outcome, at least to set up their main guys to go up the road and not be riding for Bardet or Sivakova. seemed like it was going to be a hard situation to see how they could play out and get the win. Incredibly hard when Remco goes and with radio, who knows if anyone knew Remco went, but surely you're putting, maybe not Julian, but you're putting Madwa or Kosnofwa in that Remco group. I mean, he ended up dropping Litsenko, who was in pretty good form. So mm. um, he was hot, but like you give yourself a better chance than, than a Bardet, I think. Yeah. The Belgies, um, obviously, they're always the big favourites. They've always got ridiculous strength. It just goes from top to bottom in terms of their team sheet. And the back to the French tactics, it kind of played into their favour. They didn't have to use any guys. Normally, it'd be the, everyone would be looking at them to ride all day, start to finish. What, what are the Belgies yeah. doing? Instead, they just got to put guys in the break. For some reason, Bardet's chopping off with their their main favourites and and it played out perfectly for them. Uh, yeah, well, the hotel mishap in the morning went into Belgium's favour because there wasn't another team that was going to work. Um, even though I think MVDP probably gets in that Remco group. He's that smart, but... Everyone's relying on the ego of Van Art wanting to win. And then, to, true to his credit, he, he did stuck by his word and said he's going to let Remco win if he's got the break, and he did. Um, but, I, I mean, with radio, who knows if he knew Remco was in a good position that whole time as well. Yeah, um, there was there was one move from him on that last climb that was a bit... Uh, like, there's a long way to go. There's a long way between him and Remco at this point, but he's still whacking the bunch, just keeping things moving. But yeah. you think... You think that hopefully there was comms on the on the climb. It's is it? Do you find it weird? Weird that there's no radios? Yeah, like and how reliable were the gaps? They they yeah. when they yeah. went full gas for one of the Mount Pleasant climbs, they they dropped a minute. Yeah, and then like it looked like Remco was sitting up to go back to the main group, and then all of a sudden they got back out to two. Yeah, and then they couldn't close. They lost ten seconds to Remco, I think, when they started to go. Like I get what Remco can do, but um, I do find that weird. Olympics was the same and Olympics was a baffling race. Um, I just don't get why these world events don't have radios. Like it just, it makes sense for the viewer that Great Britain and Australia who have a sprinter know how far Remco is. Mm. And then we can have this almighty chase from Great Britain and Australia. The And I think the two, two recent races, the world's the Olympics like you touched on, there's been evidence that it, it doesn't add to the race. It maybe adds to yeah, it adds uh, to going earlier. Adds to hiding out the front. 
but it doesn't help yeah. the overall viewing perspective of of the event itself. I mean, and in the Com Games, the break one and the New Zealand track cyclist one. Like, is that what we? Yeah. Is, is that what we? I get the Com Games is pretty thin, but is that what we want? We wanted Cavs to get there. Surely everyone wanted Cavs to get there. Exactly. The Remco though was talk about taking the race on, taking it to a whole other level and being that much stronger than everyone else. I know everyone's talking about like why did they let Remco go? Like why was no one on his wheel except for Lusenko? Like what was everyone else thinking? But you're also at that point in those races, they're so hard, they're so long, there's so much climbing, there's so much time in the bunch that you do get to a point where everyone's just like sometimes cooked and there is this strongest guy on the road and he was the strongest guy on the road. Yeah, I think there was one one miss and it was it was Schmid from Switzerland. I think he had legs and I think he had better legs than Lutsenko. So I reckon he potentially could have been the one that just missed it. He even had his man working on the front of the break, uh, Simon Palou for a bit, um, as well as Belgium. They had DeWolf, who was a super ride. Mm. Um, so I felt like Schmid might have missed it. It looked like he, he was just a bit far back in the group and then he rode out and couldn't get across. Yeah. The Spaniards, big out. I mean, they, but... they got to the front of the group for a bit. Do you see yeah. that? They'll ride and they'll pace in the peloton. For Garcia Cortina is my only guess. You'd imagine so. Um, but... Lackluster team, I get this is where the points I'm very intrigued by. Like early on when the point system came in, I'm like, this is cool. Like the relegation. Mm. Now Movistar are pulling all their riders to get points. Like there's fact... no... Valverde the Worlds. The fact that there's no Valverde at the Worlds is a massive out. Like it just adds another dynamic. It adds adds another team. And the more teams you can have going after it, the better races it's going to be. Well, there's guys in that Spanish team that are pro Conti even below. Like it's, yeah. I mean, well done on getting to Worlds, but Spain are a strong cycling nation. Like they, imagine if there was a Luis Leon Sanchez or a Valverde or someone like that. Well, oh, it's a miss. The Netherlands uh, race started before the gun was fired with Van der Poel being let out from the police station at 4 a.m. the morning of the race. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't script it. Quote, unquote, when he got off the bike at the caravan, uh, I, I effing hate Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he'd had a pretty big 24 hours. Um, I'm not going to go into the nations and whatnot. There is... Um, there's some pretty serious allegations that have been thrown out there, some that aren't as bad. I'm not sure what actually happened, but um, yeah, he was the he was the red hot favorite. As no one's gonna know, but it is you don't know what it is. Like you said, it's obviously there's some pretty serious things that have been thrown out against him. But you do if you just take that out of the equation and think about Vanderpol and his experience in Australia and the kind of writer he is, I think you might have said a few potties ago, Max, he's your favorite athlete in the world. Yep. And everyone yeah. loves him. The fact that this is how he sees Australian and Australia and the sport and his experience here and the effect of him not being in the race purely from a cycling perspective is extremely disappointing. Extremely disappointing. Um, yeah, he had a miss. He had a miss. Um, yeah, the parts of it were out of his control, but he had a miss. Um, he looked so lean. Did you see him on the TT bike? A few days mm-hmm. earlier, I think it was the team's TT. Oh, he looked he looked red hot. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had some luck. I mean, the in 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 the in the female TT, 
Um, the favorite fell off her bike. Yeah. Um, then Bok Mollema got hit by a seagull. Yeah. Um, so they had some, <laughs> some shocking luck, the Dutch. Um, but yeah, I honestly thought MVDP was prime for this. It is interesting just seeing Europeans try and fit into Australian culture. Yeah, I mean, even the way he spoke to the camera coming out of the court, I was like, I, I don't want to comment or something like that. It was just something that an Australian, like Australian either pushes the camera out of the way or something like yeah. that. Like it's just, yeah. he's like, it was weird. Yeah. Um, you watch the Wollongong Courthouse. Wollongong Courthouse is a pretty <laughs> grim place for the, the best Dutch cyclist in the oh. world to be at. He must have just got to a point where he's thinking, what on earth is going on here? I'm in Australia. The World Championships is on today, and I'm in, I'm in the, the cop shop at 4 a.m. Like, what on earth happened in the last 12 hours? Oh, and then they would have been completely out tactic with how to position some of their riders. I think Van Barl and Inkhorn were the only two I really saw for the day. Um I don't even know if Poles and Mollema finished the ride. Did did they? I'm not I'm not sure where they were. Yeah, it was it was a big out. Slovenia, your man Tracknik put his put his hand up in a massive way. Pog was uh animated the race as per, putting himself in some moves as you had to because things were going left, right, and center. You happy with your boys Tracknik result? Uh, it, it leads me to just talk about the race a tiny bit. So between Remco winning and the Peloton, mm. there was 15 lost riders. Like it, it sort of, and it got down to a minute. Like how, how does Tratnik survive? And how does, there was someone else that come over the top, uh, one of the Dutch boys come over the top um, before Tratnik. Like how do these guys, how are they surviving? Like I've, Going up in like watching stage races where you get dropped from the peloton, oh, you get dropped from the brake, you make your way back to the peloton, you ride easy, you get ready for the next stage. Yeah. But obviously, worlds is slightly different. You just go full gas and see how you can go. Like the fact that Tratnik came back over the top, like he was first gone when 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 Remco attacked, and he just held on. That's amazing, and he almost stole it. If the right, if the line was two hundred meters closer, he gets a little silver silver medal. The yeah, and especially with the point, like randomly there's UCI points up for this, for your team, <laughs> not your team that you're riding for. But you watch, yep. I, I've, I've, every time I watch cycling, I feel like the the product of cycling is underinvested by the broadcaster and the event organizer. You watch, if you get the F1 pass over here, you can click on whatever car you want and follow it around the track in any different view that you want. And you can watch the different dynamics unfold. And there's so many different things and stories that are happening throughout the race. Cycling, you kind of, there's, there's normally the two camera shot, the breakaway and the main bunch. And it's just not set up to, to show all the different dynamics that are happening within the race. And especially when it's carnage, which to France, France's credit, they, they made the race carnage. They, it was not, no, there was no Belgians and Dutchies just chopping off for a 200 K and then racing the last couple of laps you miss out on all the spectacular things that are happening and, and Tratnik's story throughout where he, where he came from and where he disappeared and what was going on. And yeah, some race. Yeah. I mean, with the, the day and age we're in where Yawa Almeida just rides his own pace up climbs, you're going to miss exactly. these amazing things. Um, I, I, I agree. Maybe getting a little camera on a, on every motorbike per group, but I like even a GoPro on some of these guys just to see where they are. Yeah, you can um, 
it's it is sometimes frustrating, especially when you get over here and you see the size of sport and the investment that they have in it. This the lack of creativity or any kind of investment in the the product of cycling itself. When you watch the welter, which was maybe one of we didn't even get around to doing an unpack in the end. I think Cambo got to a point where was, I think to quote Cambo said. It would have been a career career low for us in terms of numbers if we did a recap of the Volta, is, is my gut feel. I think Cambo got to a point where he said, I couldn't even be bothered checking pro cycling stats one day to see who got up. <laughs> it was... Uh, I it mean, was... early on when Jay, Vine, when Jay Vine was lining it up, there was a little bit of interest. Yeah. And then there was the young Aussie sprinter as well who, uh, what's his Graves. name, just gets... Groves won a stage, but then it, it got real Remco show and I just, yeah, it wasn't for me. It was really hard to watch. It was really hard. To, but every year, the world was the same thing, copy and paste. Long stages in the desert. Everyone's cooked from the year. Uh, and <laughs> it just keeps going down and down and down. The, yeah. the next team on the, the run sheet is the Danes. You feel like looking at the the second and third place, especially that group that came to the line really, um, really missing, not Magnus court, uh, Mads Pedersen, who was just in yep. rip roar and form at the welter. Like this, this, this course was a Mads Pedersen course. If those teams behind could sort it all together. And that's obviously a big, if the way that Remco was going, but, uh, they're always, they're always a strong squad. Yeah, I think they had a really good team that uh, was there, but they just, I mean, apart from, uh, forgive me for my pronunciation, Matthias Skemois uh, was in the break. Um, and I saw a, something post from the Danes saying they thought they had Mikel uh, Honor uh, in a really good spot for the sprint, but I'm not even sure where he finished. Uh, we're 15th in that sprint. Um, yeah, so obviously caught. And Fulzlang and Morkov, these guys didn't really have the legs. Yeah. Um, they weren't they weren't present. It was a disappointing day for the Danes. The Brits went full gas for a second. Um, mm. These there was this weird thing, and what's what happens when you get many breaks? But there was that break that looked like it could last with Remco in it. So they get Ben Toolett in, in there. Aussies get Jai Hindley. And they sort of go, all right, we don't need to chase the break. They're not going to beat. Um, uh, there was a good, there was a relatively good punchy finisher in that break. I forget who it was. But they're not even going to beat Remco. He will attack with 3K to go. Um, so this is weird. So the Brits and the Aussies go, all right, we're not going to chase because we got Ben Toolett and Jai Hindley. Well, come on. You got Ben, ben, ben Toolett and Jai Hindley. You need a chase. Mm. Um, so that's where Brits lost it. They lost it by putting Ben Toolett in the break in my eyes. Do you think, are we just being hindsight heroes here saying that uh, Remco is in the break and why, why, why would you not back him in to torch everyone? Because he did come off, yes, he won the welter, but he came off the welter. There was a, it was a question mark around whether he could get to the end of the welter, tick that box, and then he's ticked yeah. the even bigger box of can he ride a uh, 200 plus K one day race post that and and torch everyone. But I do, I do tend to agree. Even, even in their best form of their life, it's hard to see with with this finish that it was like a flat run in. How how are they going to beat Remco here? I don't don't really know. Especially when your protected man finishes. I mean, what do you, what do you end up finish? Ethan Hates fifth or sixth? Mm, yeah, ninth. Like he, he finishes in the group. 
Like it just, and Michael Matthews finishes third. We'll get to Aussie soon. Like it just, just seems like it's a, why not go full gas? They would have had their whole team. I think I saw Luke Rory was the only one getting dropped from the Brits. They would have had mm. oh, Stewart, Wright, Swift, Turner, Toolett, and and the other Swift just riding. Oh, sorry, I'm going on. But or I mean, with race radios, it it it, it it's hard get get one of the Swifts. Get Fred Wright in that in that break, then you can start to do something. Not your little punchy little climber in Ben Toolett. It's almost like now looking at it, you with Vanderpoel out, that played into the hands of the Brits, the Aussies, the Danes to like to race that race for a twenty man bunch kick to bring things. Vanderpoel back. goes out during the race. It's after the bus tactics. Um. Yes, yeah, so they probably without radio they can't renegotiate what they're going to do. Matthews for every right, if it's Vanderpol Van Art going to the show, Aussies do no work. We sit there, we they bring us brings us to the finish line. Yeah, um, so it's it's adapting on the go. Uh, Colombians had Naira in the break early. <laughs> is he is he allowed to ride? Have I missed that? Uh, uh, I think that's another. Worlds that... different. Is worlds a different comp? That is another UCI big asterisk around what like what's going on there. So tra- Tramadol's <laughs> banned. Tramadol's banned by the UCI, but not banned by yes. WADA. Okay. So and why you would not align your banned substance list with what WADA's banned substance list is, I'm not really sure to start off with. And then because yeah. he's taken it to the court, uh, he is still allowed to race. Which is just another. Oh, it's good to have some grey area inside. Yeah, me. it's just another grey area. <laughs> well, I must say, when he popped up in the break, I was a bit surprised. I thought it was the other Cantana for a little bit. Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, I didn't see yeah. my favourite lead-out man at the moment. Milano really feature that much. Um, no, nothing, but nothing to report. I can give you whoever finished their highest. Let's have a look. Sergio finished in thirty-first. Not even in that first group. Yeah. The Aussies, home home race, off the top, the selection of Matthews over Caleb. Tick? Yeah, I mean, I would have taken both. Like, you look at Belgium, they take their two best riders. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I still would have taken both. Although Belgium did a weird selection, not bringing Dylan Toons Um for a reason that they thought that three people might be a bit weird, but I thought Dylan Toons is an excellent domestique and probably could have come. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still would have brought both. I, I, cause Caleb probably survives there. And the way that they rode the race, you could have brought both. Yeah. If they had, correct. If they had everyone working for Matthews the whole time, you beauty, but it feels like the tactic of putting a guy up the road, putting Henley up the road, putting Ben O'Connor up the road, putting Plap up the road, all it did was just blow them up because they were not beating the companions that they had in the group and yep. then left them with no firepower at the back end. Yeah, like Nick Schultz and Simon Clark don't uh, reek of guys that are going to be great for Matthews in the last 10K. Um, and that's sort of who he was left with. I would have loved Plap to just be wait, like saved for that moment. Yep. Um, so that's, I mean... They didn't win. They come third and they had three guys in a break and at all different points, there was a time where I thought 
Ben O'Connor could win this. Then there was a time where I'm like, well, Jai Hindley could win this. And that's that's cool to have that at, an, at your own home worlds. Mm. And you managed to get a bronze. Probably would have, oh, I don't know. Could Maybe could have won if he knew. Uh, could have got second, sorry, if he knew what was going on at the end there. But um, successful. What what do they get out of seven? Yeah, they're close. So they're like a bronze and three present men in breaks including Platt got dropped a few times and come back. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a five. It's a five or a six because there's nothing else. Well, you got, they're not a pre-race favorite. Matthews would have been in the second line of betting. Um, yeah. Only one man comes first and there's no uh, other jerseys to give out. Um, third is the literally the third best team and they weren't a pre-race favorite. It's a, like it's a bronze medal. It's a good result. Yeah, it is. If, if you had have presented... The, I don't know who the Aussie DS is, but the Aussie DS with a, a contract at the start says, do you want to risk it or do you want a bronze medal? You'd sign the contract. Okay. And they had a good week amongst with a few little team TTs and yeah. the girls. Um, they had they had a good week. Yeah. The Italians? Wow. Geez. They get a prize for being present. Um, I don't think they were expecting... Um, the rider who ended up being their their guy last four-man break or whatever he was in. Um, but uh, who was it? Uh, talk about talk about countries, talk about countries that don't ooze team camaraderie united front. I think the Italians are up there. Yeah. Lorenzo Rota, it was. I don't think they were expecting him to be their guy that was. Um, a chance to win it for majority of the race. Trenton and Betsy will end up both finishing top 10. I don't know. I'd love to see that vision again. I doubt they'd even know that each other are in the same peloton. <laughs> um, but they were present. The Italians are present. Without a big, I bet Betty was in the same Matthews sort of category as a second line of betting favourite pre-race. Um, I wasn't expecting fireworks from Italy. Switzerland, you you talked about them off the top before having um having Smith as kind of the guy that missed Remco's move, which I think was on the money. Um, Kuhn came off a massive ride in the TT to just miss out on the title, but uh, Smith was their man as he as he's kind of been all year for Quick Step. Just like he's, I think it was his Tour de France. He was in pretty much every move that you needed to be in. He was always there thereabouts yeah. in these kind of tricky tricky long days i mean he's the random quick step climber that they usually bring um to to grand tours they go seven or eight for the flat and then just one little climber just so go off you go you go give a sonic in the in the climbing stages and he was that of the tour so um i didn't i didn't i wasn't really expecting him to do much um i thought i thought maybe they'd still be on cool i didn't know how he was going to recover after coming second to Yumbo's eighth best TT rider, can we just mm. <laughs> can we just clear that up? The world champion for Yumbo in TT wouldn't even make their TT team time trial team. Like it's phenomenal. Mm. <laughs> we'll get to Tobias in the next because Norway are coming up next, but that would have hurt Stefan Kung. He's the, he's the bridesmaid of TTs, and he's just lost to literally. He's got Ghana, got Bissinger. Got uh, Rem, Rem, Remco and Pog. Remco didn't do it. Pog. And then loses to Tobias. <laughs> oh, stiff. It's stiff. 
Uh, but on, they rode well. They rode, they rode a good race. They gave themselves a red hot chance. On Smith, though, not that Patrick wouldn't have been paying attention to him, but I imagine he's paying a bit more attention to him now after uh, Remco's now GC shift and and kind of the shift in quick step. Uh, Schmidt now becomes much more important guy in terms of their overall squad strategy versus their traditional uh, hard man sprinter yeah. classics vision. So. Well, he can still be molded into a he can still be molded into a classics guy as well. I mean, Lombardia could be the perfect example. Norway, like you mentioned, Foss, time trial champion. Unfortunately, we haven't got our in-house time trial expert with us because he's still at the AFL tribunal, uh, putting down that hard law to analyze Foss's performance. But it would have been some good value around that, Max. <laughs> I'm shattered. I missed it. I really am. Look, I I have I'm a Tobias Foss lover. Ever since him and George Bennett did that little combo at Yumbo Visma when they were riding the Giro and they came ninth and tenth. This young little pup from Norway. Like I was really interested in him. And I think I've backed him in a TT before. Mm-hmm. So that's where it like you get a little bit shattered. You go, oh, okay, I've missed it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've 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 missed it this time. That's okay. Um, but when you realize it was a hundred to one, um, it does doesn't make it any easier to swallow, but um, he was, oh, that's, that's a clinical ride. Like, mm. Yumbo are doing something incredible with their TT stuff. I wish Cambo was here to tell us what they're doing, but. Uh, and then, I mean, in the race, Christoph six, and if I, I saw a tweet, but Christoph's finished top 10 in pretty much every world he's come to. Like, yeah. um, that's a pretty amazing effort. Like, he's a king of getting top 10s, Christoph, but uh, like, to do it at every world's. All he was missing uh, for a podium was some more rain and some cooler weather. And he's he's yep. the hard man king. When things get yep. grippy, Christoph comes to the top. Not a bad day from uh, not a bad week from the from the Norwegians. Yeah, Germans. They they rode a lot on the front. Is where I saw them, and I didn't see them at any other point in the race. Yeah, I'm not sure who they were riding for. Um, I know George Zimmerman was their leader. Um, he doesn't reek sprint for me. Is 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 he doesn't smell like sprint? I think the, I remember him helping Louis Menkes getting breaks at the tour. That's where I remember him from. So I feel like he's a bit more of a climber. Um, but he fell off his bike, so maybe they're riding for Nicholas Arndt. Like that's the only thing I can think of. Mm. But nothing I thought really... Germany was this big, proud cycling nation, and then I like strip it all back, and I can only really think of Andre Greipel. Like, is a they were, they were, but it feels like it's it's drying up a bit. Yeah. Uh, anything to note on Eritrea's performance? Germain, oh, I mean... Germain's back, but not really felt his presence throughout the race. I mean, once it got hard and to realise that he wasn't going to finish in the top sort of part, I think he fell right off the radar. I don't know if he finished with the group. The um, thing to note, though, about this, Eritrea's got a team of two, four, six athletes in the world. I yeah, don't know what... Three of them can ride. Three of them can genuinely ride. Like, I don't know. Gamay, yeah. And I'm not even going to have a crack at whoever their, <laughs> their, their leader is, but I've seen his name before. <laughs> Like that, that's, that's a big, that's a big step forward for that country in terms of their, their presence in cycling. I mean, you put that down to Gourmet's, uh 
Germain's year so far and, and his step into Intermonte, into Wanty Marche. And they went safe with their national jersey. Well, you could hardly see it in that peloton, could you? <laughs> yeah, I, then I guess we've got like the Americans, the Portuguese, the South Africans, Canadians. I mean, there's, I mean, the, what's, there's obviously one worth talking about is the, the Kazakhstan, so Lutsenko. Yeah rode an unbelievable ride and has shown legs in everything he's been involved in this year. So um, he's a good rider. I just wish he'd give up on his GC stuff, but it's um, I mean, we talk about this every grand tour. He yeah. could win so it could be, you could sign him up for two stage wins, every grand tour, but instead he opts for ninth yeah. to 14th. Um, Peter Sagan finished with a group. Um, in fact, I think he might even be a top 10. He is. He's seven. He was top 10. Yeah. For the Serbians. Are you going to call um, Sargon's back, Max? Or how do you, where do you feel with that? It's pretty good. Like, that was a hot world. So there was people dropping. Um, yeah. Like, none of the sprinters really dropped, but um, there were people dropping, and Sargon finishes top 10. Um, I don't mind that. I don't... I mean, what's he got? One more year, you reckon? Two? Yeah, we, I would just I'll open it up his pro cycling stats because he's probably got... He's got to 2023. Yeah, one more year. 32. Um, Austria sent Austria for a team that um, is on fire at the moment um, with Patrick Conrad, uh, Groschnartner, those guys everywhere. They're all at Bora. They, they, yep. they literally fielded the worst uh, national team they could have. <laughs> um, thanks to Austria. And yeah, the Americans, like, they could have done a whole lot more with their team as well. They ended up bringing Palace, who got in a break, looked okay. That's really it. Yep. Anyone else? Anyone else? Any other stories you want to touch on from the week, Max? That uh, put your attention. Uh, I mean, uh, Tour of Croatia starts tonight. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and there's actually uh, Durant Thomas is going there. Um, not sure why he hasn't packed up for the year. Ineos have a lot of points, <laughs> but yeah. he wants to go. I think he wants to sail Croatia just one more time. So good on him. <laughs> I think I saw he put um, out a tweet. A lot of people pulled out of Lombardia. Um, no Pog, he's holidaying in Australia, has the opposite uh, view of Australia to MBDP. Uh, um, and Remco has just pulled out recently uh, to get married, um, which is weird that he just pulled out recently because I feel like he would have had the marriage planned for a long way out. You would think so. The other one that's on the start yeah. list for, uh, for Croatia is Vindegaard. Which maybe is his yeah, first race back. Get him ready for Lombardia. I saw that somewhere as well. Oh, is it Lombardia prep? I don't mind that. He'll be good there. Prep. Which is literally the last race of the season, isn't it? I don't think there's much more after Oh, no, 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 no. Teams are finding. So the, the, from, from a UCI points perspective, the big news was Michael Matthews uh, coming third because that yielded him 400 points, which takes them out, yeah. of, out of the danger zone. And so now it's pretty much Israel's done. Lotto Sedal's mostly done. Uh, Kofidis is kind of the Lotto Sedal now, whereas it was, Bike Exchange was in that mix too. So now they can put the feet up a bit, but before that, they were racing everything under the sun. I think Caleb's, there's, I was talking to him yesterday, I think he might be going to Japan Cup, uh, which is how desperate oh. we're getting for points. Um. Yeah, I've seen Cofferdus haven't won anything for a while, and they seem to be the, the team that was safe not long ago. I reckon they were sitting ninth around the tour time. Yeah. Them and Alperson were seen as the two 
two teams coming up and now um, they look like they're in a bit of trouble, don't they? Yeah. And so I guess, yeah, this will be the first... Uh, this will be the first time that we got, uh, we get to see the effects of this relegation system. So, what happens to this team next year? What happens to their sponsors? What happens to their race star? What happens to their team sheets? Um, the system, I think you said, excited G Max, which I think it did to me too. But um, the disappointing part is that there's next to no support for these squads. Have I got you still, Max? Yeah, you just I literally came out then. Uh, did you talk that whole time? That's amazing. I missed everything you said and yeah, you went was, for about twenty seconds. I was I was actually um passing on a fair bit of wisdom there. <laughs> well, the listeners will hear it. I'll just you're gonna I'll you're gonna have to listen back to the go. podcast. Just tune in <laughs> at minute forty six. Oh. Um what I was saying was the relegation system. I actually don't mind yeah. it in sense because it makes these races uh important, it makes all racing important. Yeah, like I sort of like that as well. I, I, there is a bit that I like about that, but then there's another bit that you're not getting all the best riders, the good races, because you're not going to get points. Exactly, and I think that's the massive out is that there's too much racing. Like it's yeah. their athletes are cooked, so it doesn't play to the athletes. Athletes are stressed because they have to perform not just for the races they want to do well in, they have to perform all year because they just need to, they need to get points and they need to keep racking up points. And the teams that get spat out get spat out. So when yeah. when you leave the Premier League over here, you get relegated. I think there's there's two two to three years of TV rights that you still get from the Premier League just to make sure that you smoothly sail out the at the back end of the the relegation zone. Whereas obviously cycling teams don't get anything from the UCI or the ASO or any of the the organisers. Yeah. So they kind of they just get Generally. too bad. All the best. Good grim. luck down there. Yeah. Um, Lombardia, we're going to see Valverde and Vincesco. Uh, he might go battle for some points woods, but um, so Vincesco is definitely finishing up. I'm not sure if I'm going to see fireworks from those two. Um, I feel like Alaphilippe will be finding more form. Mm. Um, I like Ineos here. They're bringing Bernal potentially for his first ride. Um, but I like the um, Navarez or a Martinez for something like this. Um, but MVDP, is he is he going to be back? Is he going to have a point to prove and win? Um, the two boys, Woot Van Aert, will want to win as well. They're both there. It'll be a cool race to go to purely just to see the shark finish up his career. Like, yeah. What a what a stage to be to be on when he's in Italy, uh, home region. The yeah, I've done a bit of research on the ride. They normally do the uh, my pronunciation might be wrong, but the Di Ceremani, which is like the wall, um, mm. like a literal wall. The Cadell actually recommended myself and Ed to ride up, and I said, Cadell, I'm 110 kilos. I'm not riding up the wall. Um, <laughs> We're going to position ourselves just in this climb outside Bellagio, which is called Gazalo, um, which is about 40k to go. Looks like it could be a deciding climb. So I feel like that might be the best one to sit at. Um, so hopefully we'll see Nibbly just by himself at the back and we'll give him a beer. Well, uh, has, has Ed Langdon followed the sport at all or are you, are you just taking him into the start no, of his cycling journey? He has come full 360. He's He's been with me all year. Um, 
I, I do this pretty hardcore fantasy um, when the tour is on and Ed joined that um, and he loved every bit of it. So he, yeah, he's right in there. We watch the worlds together on the weekend. Um, he's excited for Lombardi. Oh, look out, beauty. Oh, we got another podcast co-host, but when uh, Cambo's busy at the tribunal for next year. Correct. Now all I need is to find out where the riders are going to go out after their como. If it's the end of the season for some of them, I mean, Francesco's going to go crazy, isn't he? Exactly. Well, yeah, there'll be clubs shut down for him. Yeah, I mean, can I get to the same club as Vincesco on his last I, day? I don't think I can. He's the king of Lombardia. Yeah, I I don't know. And um, the connections within that squad aren't all that tight either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Nah, no, I, I don't have strong connections. <laughs> in that, anyway. In that, in that. It'll be it'll be good to it'll be good to be there. Good to be on the ground. Doesn't get much better than that country for for a trip. So enjoy, Max. I'll send through some live stuff from Lombardia um, for the Stanley Street Social. Hopefully, I expect nothing it. less. Might, we might have to dust off the Instagram. I'll send you find you the login and send it across. Yep. So you can go wild on the stories. Yep. We'll do. Thanks, Max. Appreciate your time. Um, no worries. Cambo couldn't make it, but I think it was a good chat for the the unpack of the worlds. I think we'll have one more epi left. Which we need it. Yeah, we, we need to start it. working on now. The full team review of the year, one to Correct. seven, and then and then an Australian summer, which we're all then, excited for. And then we're back for Australia. The real, the real deal, Australian summer, full, full star list. So I think even the Herald Sun. I'm going for two down under this year. Actually, actually, nice. actually. nice. Set up for it, which be good. Beautiful. And Kedel's right. race. Uh, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll pop into Cadell's race. I don't really. I don't really like that side of the that side of Victoria anymore after Geelong won the flag. I don't want to go there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you have to talk to Jason about moving it to the other side of the other side of the bay. Yes, we'll start it in 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 Blegiari, please. Yeah, thanks, Max. Hey, Rook.